Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Huzzah! Welcome, new episode of Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman, and uh, this guy. Hey, it's me, Jason. How are you? Oh, wow, that's a whole new, hey, it's me, Jason. How are you? <laughs> what have you, like the guy with the big arms, the family guy that flops around, hey, it's Jason, how you doing? <laughs> What's going on, buddy? Is that like a, what was that? I don't know. I don't, um, you know what? We're going to have to hold this for a second. I got to restart this. Gonna, I got to come out and come back in. I'll be right back. Jason's going to be back in a second. So in the meantime, I guess I'm staying, right? So, yep, see, he does this to me. I don't really mind it that much. I'll tell you, this weekend, it's a heat wave, right, in L.A., for sure, and I'm in Calabasas, so it's an absolute heat wave, and we have two units in my house. The upstairs unit, I know, Crimea River, but the upstairs air conditioning unit just went, just went, it just, it just said, nope, I'm not going to do it anymore, so all weekend, unless I wanted to sleep downstairs on the couch or the lazy boy, which I did, I did that, it was hot. AF. I mean, you know, 86 degrees in my room. It's the worst. It's with the, the worst. Door open. What would it be in the, with the door closed? A balmy like 89? 90. No, 90. Ooh. I think it was like that French door that opens out onto the backyard. Ah, so it's got yeah, that yeah. screen. No, but it didn't. I don't know. I mean, I guess, right? It would have helped. Yeah. You know, it did help. Anyway, that was my, that was my kind of overall, the overarching of the weekend. Otherwise, the weekend was awful. <laughs> well, um, yeah, you know, what? at least you didn't have to. We got second set of movers, mm-hmm. so we had to get a second, second set, set of a second set of movers. Everybody Far better got, than the first set. Uh, much better than the first set. Uh, anybody who didn't miss that episode, uh, I hired some movers last week, and they did a. I guess a crummy job would be saying they did that would, would be generous. Um, but we hired a second set of movers to help us this weekend and they got everything out so fast. It was Smashed amazing. Smashed your grandma's piano from the 1800s and, uh, uh, you know, messed up your refrigerator completely. Now, have yep. they uh, gotten in touch with you and have you worked out some kind of settlement? Or were they they have gotten in touch with me. Um, uh, we're talking tomorrow. They, they didn't work Sunday or um, Monday. They were calling on Saturday, but I was like, I'm sorry, I'm too busy hiring new movers to uh, fix all the problems that you guys did. So let's, let's yeah. reconnect next week. Okay. I want to follow up on how they handle this. I will. This situation, but you hired new movers. We hired new movers. And they so were we good off Craigslist. Yeah. Off of uh, handy. Have you ever used handy? No, no. I mean, handy you're is, talking about an app, not the actual thing. No, not the thing. Handy's that. Yeah, yeah. There's an app called handy and it, it used to just be like, um, I feel like that app would be confusing when they're deciding on that name. Maybe no. Maybe no. Like Handy. Oh, yeah, that's a good app. I know what you use that for. It's, it was you get a handyman there. Yeah, it was used to be just like um, like uh, we used for house like house cleaners and stuff, like yeah. uh, like uh, like Uber for that. But they also had people that move, and they, they were great. And actually, we found them like the people that were helping us move also are like just general people, like contractors, and are going to help us with some electrician stuff for real reasonable. So very happy with handy. them. Yeah, Handy. And then um, one of the things that they couldn't get moved because they were they were just too slow was the motorcycle. So I got somebody to move the motorcycle, which is you found a tow place to take it. Yeah, and it's easy and cheap. And they're they're like, yeah, no problem, we got it. Just tell us when to come over. Driver will be dispatched. And I was like, oh, this sounds a lot simpler than they made it. Yeah, yeah. They just uh, so did you do that or is you? Still uh, we're doing it tomorrow. We're all scheduled all right. for tomorrow. I just got it all set for tomorrow because we had a couple things to do. But yeah, we're we're all we're we're all in. We're not all put together. Clothes? We're all in. How about you close? Do you have your clothes uh-huh. in? You have all yeah. your stuff because life is not good when you don't have the right things to wear. You know what yeah. I mean? Like no matter what's going on, like if I my air conditioner is off, but I have the right shorts or I have the right open shirt, short mm-hmm. sleeve that I can wear, mm-hmm. so it's not as abominable. Right? I mean, do we agree with your mom saying? I oh. see your mom posted something. She said, should I cry? Mom, don't worry. I, I, there's a piece, but I took care of it. We're going to be okay. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fixable. It's salvageable. It's going to stay in the, in the family and in the home. But no thanks good. to these I, movers. I got it already looking pretty cool. Yeah, but no thanks to these movers. No thanks to so these guys. We're going to stick it to them. That's really yeah. the point of this. Like, yeah. Just so but, uh, but the the yeah you know it's kind of weird I have my I got all my the clothes stuff was easy because you just leave it all in the uh, 
you leave it all in the the, the drawers and they, they got all that stuff moved over. So all that stuff's fine. It's just, you know, I got to get the rest of the computer set up on. We got the internet on Saturday. Like I was telling you the other day, the, um, you know, when you move, uh, until all your little creature comforts there, it's just a hotel. It's you're sleeping over at somebody else's house, right? You, you know, you need those little things. Of course you do. I mean, you know, listen, if it was a hotel, though, that would be nice. It's more like, uh, you know, an Airbnb with none of your shit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> You but know, but that being said, we got air conditioning now and uh, and uh, spent a lot of the time in the pool last night, so uh, we're happy. Yeah. How's the pool at night? Is it heated? Um, no, it's it's not warm at night, but it is nice. <laughs> it's definitely it's hot outside. So with the with the temperature that it's been, it's nice. And there's a there's a hot tub here that we we turned on yesterday too. So and that works. That it works. Work, so we're happy. Yeah. That is that is great. But meanwhile, you could heat the pool if you wanted, right? Um, I bet we could. There's no. There's point a there. heater. Right? Yeah, I'm sure there is. But now during the day, is the pool super hot because of how hot it is? It's kind of weird. You get this nice layer of hot water on the top, so you kind of dive through it. And, and, then, uh, and then and then underneath, but no, you kind of search for it. Like I, I feel like a um like a like a seal or something. I start on the top in the warm and I dive under and I just play in the cold for a little while and then I come up and shake and then I go back under. I see. I okay, but you have the pool. That's really what we're saying. Yeah, what I'm and, saying. And listen, this is what I'm saying what I'm also, saying is I'm half sea lion, and that's really what I want to do is just sea lion for a little while, get out of the pool, lay on the ground, roll around, make some noise, <laughs> pull back in the pool. I, I, so that's what I was saying then, was that you're basically half a sea lion. But why I bring up the clothes and why I bring up that aspect of moving, and for me, I, I need a new bathing suit, by the way, also, which I'm told that now only like they think it's the five-eighth ones are in style now. Is the oh, bathing suits in style? Yeah. Yes, Sarah. She'll tell you for men. You know, it's like the, the guys or whatever. But my point is, I need one of those. I need stuff. And when my wardrobe's missing, it's not great. So I, I get to this place where, you know, when I move, it's the clothes have to come first. And I need those out and unpacked. Like, those are the first thing. Even if it's not the mattress, it's got to be the clothes. Yeah, 100%. So, but I, 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 it's a weird thing. I'm sure it is. But I don't feel totally at home until I got all my stuff that I like to wear. And that, I feel, leads us into our guest today. Yeah, I mean, uh, and by the way, not on purpose, <laughs> not on purpose. I mean, it is a real thing I have about having to have the right clothes, but it makes me think that our guest, who is a two-time Emmy Award winning costume designer <laughs> from Mrs. Maisel and Kirk Ellis, you know, I bet she thinks about these things, and I'm going to ask her that, as because <laughs> we really should bring her on, but I yeah. want to ask her how she thinks about clothes in conjunction to the character and creature comforts, et cetera. I mean, I'm very interested in how you build this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So should we just get into it? Let's do what it. What are we going to say? Yeah. What are we going to say? Especially. Well, not that I was just thinking as it applies to, you know, character in general, but I also feel like, you know, we've been talking, I mean, I don't want to get into this too far without her here, but like, yep. I was like, maybe I'm going to be a Panama Jack Jason now that we have the pool outside, you know, maybe I'm Tiki Jason. I don't know. And I, I do have some questions later. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I like that. Okay. So then without further ado, right, we should absolutely bring on our guest today, who is the as I said, two-time Emmy Award-winning costume designer, most recently for the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon Prime. Let's just get her right on, right? Ladies and gentlemen, Donna Zakovska. I want to get this right. Zakovska, right? right? There you go. Right. Yes? I got it right. I got it right, Donna Zakovska, because the W is a V. Right. Hi, Donna. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. It's fun. Am I, am I uh, can you see me? Yeah. Okay. I see you great. You know, it just depends where you want to be. Okay. I love how you look. I love your back. What is that background? Is that a painting? Uh, yeah, it's actually was a backdrop from a theater piece that I did. Uh, I actually live with a uh, puppeteer named Roma Pasca. And we did a show called Moby Dick in Venice. And this is a backdrop from the show that we had. So um, we, uh, and we My have best a friend is a puppeteer. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, David Arquette. I don't know if you know oh. that about him. Uh, no, a, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, he's like a, I don't know if he's a master for sure, but he is a puppeteer. He's got oh, hundreds wow. of them. Wow. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah. Why Roman. <laughs> it's Roman. So, so I, Roman. Yes, Roman is a puppeteer. Roman Pasca, yes. Yeah. So I spent a, quite a bit of time, you know, with puppets and things like that. So. Yeah. 
Okay, I, we're going to get into this, by the way. This is not going to be left alone. I'm just telling you. <laughs> but I'd like, to, I'd like to first start with you, because you have such a storied career. It's really just amazing. And you're, you, the, your first win for a primetime Emmy, uh, you know, John Adams, yes. to me on HBO, Kirk Ellis wrote it. it it's yes, a sweet. I love, love him. Yes. Oh, how, is he not the nicest man? Uh, he is a he is a great collaborator, you know. He yes. yeah. I mean, a little bit like Mrs. Maisel. I sort of compare them in my mind because there's really a sense of like great collaboration between the writers and myself. And I really love working with the writers. So uh, Kurt became a great friend, and he's really great to work with. Yeah, yeah. He, he's someone I got to work with. I had him write the Harry Tubman movie for HBO oh. that didn't go. He did a genius wow. job, and I I would work on anything with him. Yeah. I. I bring this up because yeah. of the being a writer, I am often thinking about how mm-hmm. am I going to design these people? How do they look? And when I speak to someone like yourself, it's mm-hmm. nothing I ever thought of, even if I write the clothes in the piece. Mm-hmm. So where do you begin? Do you begin with character? Do you begin with world? Or do you begin with story? Um, I think to a degree, you know, because I was originally trained as a painter, mm-hmm. you know, I went to the Beaux-Arts in Paris and study painting, um, that I sort of begin with color and the world. Uh, then, you know, I, from there, you know, I go to the characters. And then, um, you know, and then a sense of the period, if it's period or, you know, um, what the silhouette is. And um, I think the also... Silhouette. Wait, can we back up? What, what does shape, that mean? You know, the shape of the clothes, especially in what we're doing, mm. either John Adams or Mrs. Maisel, um, you know, they're very specific shapes. And the more specific you are, uh, I think the better you are at sort of capturing a moment in time, which to me is a very important thing. Uh, that's one of the reasons when I was working with Kurt, you know, I really loved it because we're a little bit obsessed with the whole story, you know, and then how does it transfer into the clothes? And then, I, then the actor enters, and then, you know, you sort of have that sense of, what is credible because in one sense it's abstract you know before the actor enters then the actor enters and then you have to sort of figure out how this idea you have is it credible with this person is that person going to make it alive and make it work uh you know and so i I had a lot of training when i actually went went to the yale school drama john tutoro was my roommate well, you just dropped that. So let's just let's get some breaks and back up. So you went to the Yale School of Drama and right. your roommate was the John Tutoro. Yes, exactly. And let's so I, I spent a lot of time, you know, I, I feel like, you know, those days I was really trained how to mm-hmm. deal with some mad and crazy actors and yes. like, the importance of the clothes. And, you know, we've remained we're really, really good friends, we made really good friends. So it's all like sort of adds Amazing. up to all of those elements, you know. Uh, the visuals, my love of the visuals, but then how the character sort of manifests itself, you know. Well, John's a great example. He's like, you know, he picks his, whether it's polyester pants, you can see his wardrobe on all his characters. Yes, yeah, no, exactly. Well, I've done, um, I've designed his five movies that he's done. I've designed them all. By the way. So, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, we, again, it's like this great collaborator. It's this person who really sees how you know small elements in clothing really become exciting and then he is really incredibly good at making them work for his character and coming up with things that sometimes you can't even imagine you know like you know where did that come from you know so, I can't. No, I cannot imagine where to, where to pull it from yours or John's mind. Yeah, I think it's like his purple jumpsuit, you know, in the Great Lebowski. That was something very special, you know. So yes, very special. But those are the things. And if we talk yeah. about, you know, these these accomplishments of of mm-hmm. finding the right balance, like Gary Oldman mm-hmm. told me once, he only starts a character from the shoes. Everything's mm-hmm. built off the first pair of shoes. Uh-huh. Um, but now let, let's just go back for one second. First of all, okay, so mm-hmm. Yale drama. Right. Right. And then you go to where in Paris to study? Uh, I went to to study painting. Yeah. So so how do you end up in costuming? Well, uh, you know, basically, you actually, the Beaux-Arts was first, and then I went to Yale. And uh, I was in the drama school. Mm -hmm. And uh, acting. um, No, for, um, you know, set design, costume design, lighting design. You know, I mean, the design is rather small. And like there were only seven of us. And they sort of make us do everything, you know. But uh, costuming was sort of my concentration. When I was there, actually. Now, 
Do you like, let me ask you this, because like, for example, someone like Marilyn Vance, who will do Pretty Woman and design the dress for Julia Roberts. Do you like designing things that are your own as much or more? Or do you like just buying the things and, and putting them on the actors and finding the right, you know, pace? Um, no, I really like to design. I mean, that's what's so great about Mrs. Maisel, you know, or yes. so, because everything, you know, practically every hat that Midge wears, her gloves, I, I make her gloves. Um, all of those elements are completely designed and built, and you know it's it's like a ninety percent build. Um, okay, stop, 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 stop. I have to stop you. Stop, stop, stop. You design every piece of her wardrobe. This is like nineteen sixty-two Sex in the City kind of wardrobe, and you design uh, it's, every it's piece. Like no wonder you're winning. 50, 57, 58 to sixty. Uh, okay. Although it just hit sixty, and hopefully season four, which I think I'll be starting pretty soon. Actually, doing the prep on it. Uh, we're going, I'm going to just, yeah, I, I, I believe we will. Uh, I am going to cross the line into 1960, 61. So, wow. and we'll see a change, right? Uh, yes, man, yeah, man it's very subtle. I mean, I've been sort of doing it very subtly from the beginning of Mrs. Maisel, beginning to change the shape of the clothes. Uh, and uh, it's a big change. 1960 begins to be a big change. It's not the 60s that we think of, like these extreme mod, what I call the space suit, suit clothes. But oh, yeah. um, but it is like, it's a very interesting transitional period from 60 to 62. And so that's what I'm really going to be thinking about a lot. Yeah, getting out of the 50s was a big, yeah. uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, vomitous, almost like exodus. Uh, yeah, just exactly. saying, we're done with this constricting, you know, uh, yeah. hat and suit, and let's get something else. But, oh, look at this. We're watching some of the yeah, yeah, yeah. scenes here from this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the stuff on stage. Okay, so you're designing this stuff, uh, let's say, for the uh, the show with the boys at the uh, troops. ROTC yeah. stuff, right? Not ROTC. Mm -hmm. What is it? USO. Yeah, Excuse USO. Me, I'm sorry. Yeah. So let's just say, and I'm going to work my way back. From right. a huge set piece like that, how do you begin to conceptualize this, let alone put all the pieces in, because there are hundreds of moving parts. Well, you know, uh, first, it, it was a very large scene for me. We had actually 9,000 extras in season three. <laughs> I had 1,000 people that day alone. Uh, so yeah, first I have to like wrap my brain around, how am I going to get that many people in clothing? And yeah. then it was, you know, dealing with the theme, which was interesting for me, of uh, this is patriotic. And then how am I going to interpret patriotic in a way that I would like it and would make sense to me without, you know, being a cliched version of that? And so mm -hmm. I really dealt with the red, white, and blue thing, but like sort of diluted the colors. I looked at a little bit. I've always said it was Moulin Rouge meets patriotism. So it was sort mm -hmm. of my version of what I could do, you know, and feel like uh, it makes sense patriotically, but it's my sort of, I want to say warped my version theatrical well, we can say warped warped is good <laughs> of uh, you know, what uh, patriotic would be you know I mean, it really is fantastic. I mean, I have to ask you, uh, and again, this might just be my film, you know, uh, culture, you know, going back a ways, but was there any influence from Apocalypse Now in that set piece? Um, I mean, I love the, the movie Apocalypse Now. I, I'm not really sure, I don't think so. I mean, if I had been able to do more face makeup. It would have been, mm. but because uh, right, there was a big USO scene in that as, yeah, as well. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But I'm saying the scope really. I mean, this is television per se, right? I mean, uh -huh. the face of TV. But that was the scope that you put forth. You know, I'm thinking Apocalypse Now, just to let right, you know. Right. <laughs> okay. uh, well, I'm, that's fantastic. <laughs> That's By the way, what you're doing is fantastic. So now let's walk back a little. So I want to walk back to the department store. Now, wow. you're telling me you design all this stuff. Are you putting all these clothes in the department store? Like, how are you even, huh, where do you begin? Well, you, you know, doing? here I wanted to, you know, we like associate Midge with color, you yes. know, sort of sophisticated mixture of color. So when I went into the department store, I wanted to develop a uniform, and so I came up with this idea of all the, of these different gray tones and patterns and, you know, a little bit, I, the early part of my life, I was in like Catholic school in, in a uniform for like 13 years. So I have a pretty strong sensibility about what a uniform is like. And so I thought it was sort of important here to come up with this sort of uniform, you know, and yes. so, you know, so then it would really stand out also from the scenes when you're on this, you know, the street 
then the extras, when we deal with the extras, the, you know, those clothes are clothes that I might find in vintage or rent because when you're dealing with 400 people, um, there, wow. but I, I do supervise, I, I set up a palette for the people that are costuming men. And then mm-hmm. I look at every fitting photo of every single fitting. And then I play with them, you know, before, and this is always in a very short amount of time, uh, you know, with the palette and what we're going to see in that scene. So what that, kind of time are you talking about? You uh, say short? Like days, just days. Okay, just to be clear. Yes, days. Sometimes um, I don't get the actual script. I don't have an outline until like a week before. And so the pace is really intense. It's a very intense, especially when you're trying to, you know, have when you have the standard and when you're really trying to like, you know, care for all the details. It's a, like a very wild, uh, you know, sort of a train ride, you know, from beginning to end when we start the seasons. I, I, now I'm just starting to imagine. So, so yeah. here's just a little bit of a different question, and, and it also will help delineate the line between what you do and, let's say, I, I think you worked with our guest last week. Did you work with David Bomba? Yes, we I, did, actually. We did, right. yeah, yeah uh, years ago in Mexico. Okay, I thought you worked on something together. So yeah, um, yeah, this is in a while, yeah. Perfect for my next question, which is this. So in the department store, there are, I, I don't know how many racks of clothes and dresses and hats. And Now, is this your responsibility or let's say David's production design responsibility and set dressing to put everything in the racks, all the clothes? Well, it's a little bit set dressing, but I sort of tend to get involved, uh, you know, in terms of the palette. And, and we have an excellent uh, set dresser. And of course, Bill Groom, our production designer, is fantastic. Um, but uh, especially in things like when we did the garment district and those racks of clothes were going by, I really tried to sort of control the feet, you know, those colors and how they were passing into the frame. I mean, I like thinking about the whole picture, you know. Um, Listen, I have to tell you that I grew up, you know, the next generation, but mm-hmm. I was working at 1407, uh, you know, uh, Broadway, mm-hmm. and those racks going by made me smell right. the air when I used to have to work there. So bravo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For that. No, Thank it's you. sort of important. I think that is that whole area. It's not quite as lively as it used to be, but it was really amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also the buildings downtown where the yeah. factory is. My father had clients like high fashion. who was down mm-hmm. in Soho. They owned the buildings, but they had these textile schleppers and they were building this stuff. You captured mm-hmm. that fantastically, too. Wow. I mean, much more gray and, mm-hmm. and beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, those are the compliments. So now, as I said, we're going to walk it back a little. So I was talking about bigger set pieces and things. So now let's just go for the last season. Uh I know I loved it, but the staircase. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a real thing, first of all? Was that at the hotel? Yes, it was at the hotel. And that is apparently, um, you know, a staircase that was used for entryways, you know, to the Fontainebleau. Um, so it became like a great opportunity to practically have a little mini fashion show within yeah. the whole you know, thing. And also to deal with all these like beautiful hats and, uh, you know, yeah. uh, these outfits. That's what I wanted to get to. Yeah. So where do you what did you do to design these? Because you knew there were going to be X amount of outfits, right? Coming uh-huh. down the stairs. So so where do you start with that? And, and what are you looking at? What's the theme? Well, there uh, the theme for me was, you know, went very, very it was sort of like Miami meets Dior. I felt like it had to be really like very high fashion, but it also had to have, you know, like a slightly tropical feeling to it because, you know, I always say, you know, Miami, what was great about it in the period was like the whole Cuban influence, which yes. was a really big deal. So it really was, there were a lot of worlds intersecting and it was, um, mm. you know, much more less predictable and more vibrant, I think, to a degree than it is now. And so it really was about building the drama a lot of the hats, you know, I built. Um, I, again, I never knew how many people were going to be going down the stairs. So what I will do is, like, begin to accumulate, create some hats that might go for clothing that I found, and then, you know, just do very, very careful fittings and careful, carefully working with the colors and the intensity of the color. And then everything that Midge wore down mm-hmm. those stairs, you designed yeah. those dresses, yeah, correct? Right. And those hats. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do with those? Like, can people not buy those now? Like, what if they want to buy that dress? I mean, I'm just saying, you know, and wear yeah. it. Uh, well, you know, so it's really been crazy because so many people imitate on the um, 
Instagram and internet, it's like out of control. I mean, these are like building these dresses in China, you know, it's really wild. But the clothes themselves, I've sort of, we have a studio, Steiner Studio in the Brooklyn Navy Yard, and I have them really all on the racks there. And I have them all sort of color coded. So I feel like we're completely surrounded, you know, uh, by the world. And so I can just sort of look up and it sort of gives me a sense of like where I want to go and, and how, what in a way is missing, what more can I add to this situation? But I like the feeling of the clothing, like being there, you know, like all the red coats, all the pink, all the green. You know, it's really like a sort of rainbow world there. Well, you have so many worlds to fill. So you have to fill her stage world. Uh-huh. First of all, you have to fill her, fill her social calendar world, her working world. Well, not now in season three, her working world is her stage world, right? Yes, right. And, yeah. and also her family world. Yes, yeah, exactly. All yeah, different we, colors, all different themes. Am I correct or no? Yes, yes, no, it's true. And, and the family world has really gone through a lot of development since the beginning of season two. Because we see Abe becoming much more of a sort of returning to his nonconformist roots, mm. being a little bit more of a rebel and a theater critic. And also, um, Marin, who plays Rose, uh, really tried to break her out of that initial image that we had in season one of the perfect, you know, mother, housewife. And I, you know, had a much more of a sort of avant garde. And, um, you know, sort of slightly more experimental American designer, you know, uh, type of feeling f- to that clothing. Uh, you know, you get getting it. You get it across. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but also now her manager, that's got to be the easier one, right? <laughs> She's yeah, not changing too much. You know, it's funny. It, she doesn't, we really can't because economically, you know, it would become a little ridiculous. But even there, the small elements, like I redesigned her hat three times. We rebuilt the leather jackets, her sweaters. I've had them hand knit on machines that make those little stitches. Uh, The pants, you know, we built. So there actually is like a tremendous amount of building, even though it's like moving slowly and subtly. Uh, (laughs) Building and designing. And, uh, you know, and then now she has a vest in season three. This was a... I noticed the vest. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of like the Fran Lebowitz as we started getting into season three. <laughs> started thinking about Fran Lebowitz oh, and how can great. we sort of make her look a little bit more together within that silhouette, you know? And so I had used, you know, a lot of photos of Fran Lebowitz and you know spoke to them, you know, with Amy and Dan and showed them to them, and that's how those little elements entered, actually. It's amazing because that's, you know, it's a very bold character for 1960 or 58. This is a, a lesbian who is, uh-huh. you know, uh, almost basically out. Right. Yes. Yeah. In everyone's face. So I thought personally, when you added the vest, it was just another, uh, excuse me, we curse on here, just another fuck you to all the people who were like, excuse me, sir. No, I know. It, was the be- <laughs> it is the beginning of that. It's also, you know, her whole image. I did a lot of research on um, the 50s, the West Village. And her whole look uh, came from, especially in the very depths of the West Village uh, in the late 50s, uh, really came from a lot of the photography I had found from that period. And so that, you know, and there's also the fact that at that period, it was a little bit more difficult to be out. You know, that world existed. But then when you cross over into other worlds, um, there wasn't that sort of sense of acceptance. And it was still, you're really an outsider. So uh, that's really what was playing with with the costume, and we're always playing with in the script, basically. And well, it shows again. I'm going to keep saying that to you, so you just have to get used to that for the duration. Um, so I want to move to one of my favorite characters, which is Lenny Bruce. Um, I, I'm a huge fan. You know, you got the movie. You're up against all of these portrayals of Lenny. How do you nail it so well? Are you looking at stock stuff? What'd you do? Well, I you know I looked at a lot of pictures of Lenny Bruce. And looked at tapes and, and watched him, like even the middle uh, sequence we do with the Steve Allen show, like mm. watch that sequence. Um, there, you know, with characters like that, and, and I am from New York, and, uh, and actually now I live in the West Village, but sometimes it's just about instinct. And I think from having worked with a lot of actors, uh, people like, you know, John Turturro or Chris Walken, and all these very mm-hmm. strong, you know, male actors, you just know when it instinctively it's credible and right. There's just something 
that feels, okay, that is that person, you know? And so he and I just sort of sensed it, you know, uh, mm. very quickly. And you don't want to divert, but yet within it, you do have to find something that works for his body. And also, like, again, the variations are there, but they're much more subtle. You know? Yeah, they are subtle, but I also feel like this is Lenny Bruce every single yeah. time. I'm like, I'm and watching no, the guy. Good. Good. And of course, it's a, that's a testament to Luke also, who really really grew into that part and it's really then i mean that's a, such a hard thing to do and i think he's really it's not only that you say it's lenny bruce himself but it's a lenny bruce sort of uh, sort of lo look alike or feel alike or whatever you want to call it but you're there in the moment i think he captures what I agree. Bruce, and that's what makes a good actor i think that's when you know you know, yes, you, but great actors need all of these things. They immerse yeah. themselves in the clothes, mm. in the room, in the colors, in the palette mm. of the overall, in the mm. palette of the design. So this is something that if you don't provide them, you can have a good actor who's going to get lost. Instead, yes. we have Emmys yes. across the board. So before I get to what I like to say the best for last, which will be Midge, let's yeah. just for a second, I just want to talk about your pastels in these right. big scenes, like at the clubs. I know growing up Jewish in Long Island, you yeah. know, going away or going to Kutcher's or Brown's, like I feel like right, all right. of that was starting to really become captured for me. So mm -hmm. these pastels, why the choice? And then I'm going to ask you one more thing about the fur coat. So the pastels, tell so, me about that and your choices. You mean like in the cat skills? And, and, yes. and in, yeah. Well, I think that, you know, I always started her, and I don't know why this happened, but I just for some reason always saw the color pink. Mm. And it wasn't in the script, it wasn't anywhere, but there's something about that, you know, idea, the rose-colored glasses, this, that color just connotes a sort of complacency and, you know, a femininity, you know, in a certain way, and particularly in the 1950s feminine mm. way. And yes. so starting out with pink became such a big thing, you know, that then uh, it, it sort of opened up this world of the pastels for me. Yes. But it always, like, reverts back. I always, you know... I, I talk about the colors as echoing moments. That's why you might you know, sort of go along and then somehow in the middle of um, episode four of one of the seasons, she'll be in a version of pink. And there what I'm doing is like echoing. Like in season three when she's making that brisket, you know, in the basin with all the guys, it's like an echo. I, I like to think of colors as echoing moments in people's lives you know that is so interesting because maybe that is a part of what gives us that sort of familiarity that we're not aware we're experiencing which is oh i just feel comfortable living in this world with these people but it's part of this echoing mm -hmm. yes and, and yeah it's also about i think people have memory sometimes they don't even realize they have memory and i think mm -hmm. colors i mean i really do believe in the power of color and i think this sort of their the triggers people's psyche you know suddenly they're comfortable or they're uncomfortable or you know or they're sort of a you know find something very pleasant it's like i think you're always playing with the psychological effects of, of the colors that you choose actually yeah the echoes and the whispers of memory and yeah, what we, yeah exactly. you know, what, and what's familiar what's mm -hmm. comfortable what mm -hmm. so yes okay so last thing fur coat and then i'm gonna ask mm -hmm. about mitch so okay. this fur coat did you design that or did you buy it? Uh, no, I, I found that in the basement of like, you know, we ha still have a few furriers left in New York, even though it's still. Yeah, there are. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, um, you know, went into the basement really of this furrier who I wow. knew and just dug and dug around and, you know, found a fur coat that I knew could sort of work basically in that. Uh, and what is that thing worth for real? Like in that time, uh, what would it have gone for? Do you know? Uh, that time it probably would have been, I don't know, maybe a thousand dollars, which would have been a lot. It's funny because I'm not a person who likes to work with fur. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was really a challenge for me to do the fur thing, you know? Well, the show is so conscious of everything. It's a very woke show. So, you know, yeah. listen, yeah. fur is, a, but fur is a fact of life, especially yeah. in that oh, time exactly. period in New York. Exactly. Period. Yeah, it totally. Uh, and I think it's good to use it, never overuse it. Because I think sometimes yes. you see a film about the 40s or the 50s, suddenly everyone in the world has a fur stole on or a fur coat. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it has yes. to have an impact, you know, as I, hopefully it does there. And, of course, that has less to do with Amy's writing and Dan's writing. Uh, you know, then it becomes something else. You know what I mean? 
I do. It's it's one of the reasons I brought it up because when story becomes wardrobe and vice versa, it's it's excuse the pun. It becomes this seamless sort of acceptance of everything that's going on. So, like I said, I save the best for last. Let's talk about Mitch. How much is she involved? What are you doing? Where does it start? Just please, just tell me. Uh, Well, you know, it's always been. It was a good chemistry with Rachel from the first moment. And what I did was, I mean, you never know what it's going to be like before you work with an actor or an actress. But I, you know, did a lot of research. I had all of these ideas, all of these boards. And it became sort of apparent from the very beginning that we both had a sort of sense of who this character was. Obviously, it developed a little bit more and more. But, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with her. We have fittings for every garment, Mm -hmm. which is why it sort of fits her sort of perfectly. And then, you know, we talk about it. And if somehow we get into some sort of mind, I, I call it the midge mind, <laughs> you know, when we're trying these things on, we just know, oh, that's midge. Yes. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And you don't even really, we don't, we're at a point, we don't even talk about it that much, but we just know that this is right for this moment, you know? And so it, it's been like this really fantastic chemistry. And, and Rachel is so good at participating and collaborating and completely in a fitting you know, absolutely open, not worrying about herself, open to this idea of the character. And so we're, we're both like struggling to preserve the character to, um, you know, sort of discover it in all of these scenes. And um, it's heightened. There's no question. There's a slightly heightened magical quality to this. It's a little bit of a magical reality. But there's no question that the collaboration is very significant for me. And working with her has really been fantastic. She's, I call her a good animator. She's the sort of person I can give, you know, a strange coat to or a bag or something. And, like, we will figure out in the scene, well, how will you get rid of that? And like, okay, you can get rid of that, and then we'll do that and do this. And that's, like, also rare. I think she's done a lot of theater. I mean, I've done theater also, and I think you learn how to really use props and use clothes. And uh, that's why she really lives in those clothes. You know, she really is there physically, you know, and and again, that's not a given on any level. No, and it's certainly not a given as we're watching, for those of you who are just listening to this, we're watching a bunch of the different trailers and we're seeing all of Midge's different looks. And the fact is, I, I don't know many actors or actresses that could pull off any of that. You know, it's it's gorgeous, but it's you have it's a commitment. You're you know, by the way, let me tell you, I knew a lot of women growing up from New York, you know, that dress like that. My mother's friend, my grandmother's friends. It's not a fake thing. You say magic, but women dressed to go to the, you know, walk down the street. It was a different time. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. And they had their accessories, you know, and their hats and their gloves. Yes. And like even just making the gloves is a big thing for me. You know, getting you know, usually, and I have to actually get them now made in England. There's probably no one in New York who even does this. Whereas, like during wow. the 50s, there were many places where you could go and get handmade gloves and handmade hats, you know. So you're sort of a little bit trying to, tune into a period where a great deal of these crafts and, and things of people that were part of their lives doesn't really it's become a luxury item. Whereas it, these items really belong to a lot of women in many different social strata. You know, it wasn't just something uh, that you had to have a designer hat or you know, it was, it was sort of nice in a way people were allowed to really express themselves much more. I agree completely. Um, you know, listen, for me, one of the things I know, there's the red light, but I know Jason has some questions. I know one of the things for me, and I'm, I'm going to be quiet for a sec, if possible, but <laughs> is that for, for the women that I knew growing up, like I said, my grandmother's friends, a lot of it was ba- based on, they'd, they'd make the excuse like, oh, I'm buying it for Temple. I'm buying it for Temple. I need nine of these hats and four of these dresses for Temple. Like, Grandma, we go to Temple Friday night and Saturday. You don't know. I need something different every time. Now, hi, Jason. Please continue. Yeah, that is so much their thing. Yeah. It comes across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Totally. Good. Jace? Oh, uh, no, I, I just, I, I wanted to just say how impressed I am with all these outfits. It's it's one of those things where I, being the, the one person that kind of steps from outside of all this stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I don't appreciate it until I really see it. And I got to see all these pictures of all these things and really look at all this mm-hmm. stuff few days and i'm just i just have one question for you where can i find a pastel hat 
with with you have a gigantic head. Like, what if your head is the size of a watermelon? Where do, where do I get awesome hats like that? Well, you know, we really well. I mean, for Midge, they're all made. Okay. Because, I need to find a bespoke pumpkin hat maker. Yep. Yeah, the thing is, she um, you know, she does wear a wig. I mean, everyone knows that she wears a wig in the mm-hmm. series. So, it, you know, a normal hat, I just can't pick up a hat and put it on her head. So, uh, but also, and she, as she once said to me, when she puts the hat on, she feels like Midge. Ah. So the hats are important. They became like really significant elements for me. Yeah. Well, th- yeah, yeah. This has been uh, amazing, Donna. And so, so the good news that I've gotten mm-hmm. from all this is that you're getting ready to go back, and soon enough, we're going to have a yes. new season to watch. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Season soon, season three is live streaming now on Amazon Pro. Yes, yes, yes. So oh, before I go off, though, I do want to do this. Please. Yes. Oh, yeah, here, here. oh let's, so please get centered so we can see it, Donna. Okay. Yeah. Nope, other way. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, 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 good. What do we got? Oh, look at that. Tell nice. us. Just want to be sure these are the yep, masks. It looks perfect. And we've got to wear masks. So I just want to make that statement. Marvelous they're, masks. Okay. Those are marvelous. Thank you so Can much. Can I have one, please? Please. Marvelous. I love that. I'm going to get one for you guys. Okay. Oh, my God. Thank you so Thank much. You I will so wear much. it with pride. Okay. Donna, thank you for being here and congratulations on everything. Please come okay. back again and talk to us. Okay. Thank you. Donna Zakowska. Yeah. See, I got it right. Zakowska. 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 I mean, yeah, so to awesome. be that woman, you have to have that name. It's she is the most elegant person. Like she screams elegance. She's uh, Yale drama. What's that so place cool. that I can't even remember in Paris where she uh, painting <laughs> bazaar the bazaar? Like I know, like she's so and it's just normal. That's mm-hmm. I'm telling you. I hope that's not a lost generation because yeah. where do we get that kind of wisdom from and that kind of you know attention to detail the thoughtfulness is just incredible like this is i I, this is going to sound like i mean i i don't think i've ever met a a metaphor or simile that makes a lot of sense but um (laughs) but when i when i um got uh i didn't really think i appreciated the guitar until i played guitar hero because i didn't know how complicated some of those things were and even though i wasn't playing the real thing i actually had to listen to the music for once the lead guitar and actually hear all the notes for once instead of hearing everything put together with the 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 uh the right. the, the, the final the mix bass and the drum and all that stuff and i was like holy jesus that guitar riff is amazing and difficult and challenging and what it, this is some pop song that i thought was a three chord thing yeah. and it's because it's all synced together so beautifully that i was like okay well now i've learned thank you activision and video games for teaching me how music looks or sounds that's the same stuff with with something like donna like i didn't realize honestly how beautiful i i knew that they were cool outfits and it was like a cool thing until i, I started, she designed everyone sorry go yeah, well yeah until i started looking at the stills right like like hold on like i'm just going to show you a couple of these real quick Please. while before we get into the next stuff yeah, because yeah. i was just okay. so enamored by them um that i i just like how beautiful like that's just awesome like look at the right. colors and how it fits in so perfectly yeah you know and by the way that's just one shot you know what i mean yeah. oh by the way she's now on the uh but you can also see with the blues and the whites and the grays it still matches it's the exact kind of outfit she'd wear if she wasn't at the beach and she was just, right. i mean is that jane lynch yeah yeah it's jane lynch sophie i mean this is like straight out of rebel without a cause kind of look but look i mean look at those jackets Look at it. It's it's beautiful and the way it all matches and and the, it's just like even down to like these characters they're dressed so beautifully like I don't think about that stuff enough and that's part of the reason I really love this show is like you know even Tony Shalhoub dressed in his little uh professor outfit there's a purpose for all that stuff. Well that three piece you know look at that. Look at the lapel. Well you, you oh, here, yeah. Oh, with, with, yeah. It's like that lapel. It's what is that a brown? It's like a uh, so but this almost looks like there's a blue inside the brown. You know what yeah. I mean? Like and yeah. then the vest, the three piece with the vest being definitely darker brown and then that yeah. lighter brown tie just puffling up and look at those collars. Look at that shirt. I mean it's exquisite and it's all down to the detail. Yeah, every every single detail of these outfits. I mean, this is oh, it's gorgeous. Look at that pink. What is that? A pink purple? 
Yeah. Because she said everything's pink or echoes of pink. So that's yeah. like a pink purple jacket. Those collars, I don't know. I should have asked Donna what those collars are called because Midge loves to wear them. And then look at the dress under it. Forget yeah. about the hat. Look at that dress with the pastels and the blues and the oranges and then mm-hmm. the way it's, you know, uh, uh, striped across, you know, sideways and then straight down. I mean, it's just some gorgeous stuff. And she designs all of this. Yeah, look, at even Zach Levi's looking Look at Foxy in his, uh, his uh, doctor's yeah, outfit. You his know? doctor like, outfit. Look at that old school, like, you know, surgeon's hat. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just really impressive what that does. And it just uh, getting a chance to, like, listen to somebody talk and be so thoughtful about that's just incredible. And you're absolutely right. You don't want to lose that. Yeah. I mean, listen, the sheer, uh, you know, magnitude of her, of what she's doing, the behemoth of what she's doing on this show deserves this, you know, her third Emmy win. Oh, yeah. The Emmy nom is like a given now, especially after we do a show like this, you really see like, and I'm going to use my, what the fuck she is doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. So how great was that? Let's talk about our other stuff now. Let's get into some. All right. So what do we want to do? First of all, do we want to talk like, should we talk about spree first? No. First, you know, these clothes are great, but uh, you know, sometimes. (gasps) Well, Okay. So before we even get into any of that, you're right. And here's what's happened. I, I was talking to a buddy the other day, and it wasn't you. I only have, like, two other buddies. So I was talking to one of them about the fact that, no, what, what are pants anymore? Like, I'm wearing shorts right now. Weren't we talking to someone on another episode who was like, oh, yeah, I'm wearing shorts right now, too, yeah. during the well, interview? I think so. And I think they were a lawyer. or There's somebody important, <laughs> way more important than you'd expect to be in shorts that day. That's exactly right. And, and, and so with the quarantine... It feels like everything shifted, you know? I mean, everything we're doing is shifted. We get to do the show, but again, I'm in, I'm either in shorts, sweatpants, or underwear, you know, or some version of, of that. Mm-hmm. Then you turn me on to this place. Oh, now, dude. I've been going through the website, which, by the way, surprisingly easy to use, this website. But just tell me, Jason turns me on to this underwear company, but it's, it's more than an underwear company. I'm through the website now, and by the way, I'm going to get like a code soon, and I'm going to get to go like shopping like oh, yeah. this week, and I can't wait because this stuff looks so comfortable. Just, Jason, why did you Dude, turn me on to this? Because so, I know they're helping and giving me free stuff, but just tell me. Yeah, they're definitely giving us free stuff, but it's called Mac Weldon, and um, I love these guys. They they created their own fabric, and so it is like oh, that's softer. Nice. Yeah, it, it's it's. It's like I don't know if it's like it's it's not like it's not like a poly. It's like this cotton it's a blend. polymer, cotton blend. Poly, like it looks so soft, Dude, and it's not ooh. just it doesn't just look so soft. Like it is the softest thing you've ever put on your body. Like I want to Max put Weldon, Mac, 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 Max Weldon, Mac, Mac Weldon, M A C. Mac Weldon, not, right. yeah, M A C K. Like okay, yeah. so Mac like Mac truck, but Mac like Weldon. Mac truck. You see the difference? Mack truck is big, right? But Mack Weldon sounds elegant and it sounds plush. No, it really does. Mack Weldon just sounds like a plush thing I could wear around all day. But, oh, dude. It's dope. Dude. It's super soft. And so, like, uh, the first thing I ever noticed got from him is underwear. Like, I got an underwear for him a little while, you know, a while ago. And, but then they sent me a coat, like a jacket, like a sports jacket. And I got a little too fat for it. So, Sarah stole it immediately and so did my wife. But it is the softest thing you've ever put. Like, you didn't want to work out with it because it's too soft. And you're like, nope, can't wreck it. But you can't. Like, you wash it a bunch of times, it's still freaking... You can't wreck it. That's what I'm saying. These things look... Aside from the luxury of them, they look incredibly durable. Like, you know, I'm going to be able to wash these things a hundred times. But also, it's not... Like, I know they started... You see, it's funny because... Isn't the correct name Mac Weldon Underwear? I, I, I think... I, I don't. I think it's just Mac Weldon, but that was where they got their started. Was there? But they got right. socks and shirts. Like I said, everything. I, got... I don't even think about underwear when I'm when I'm uh, looking on this site. I'm like, I want to buy these shorts. Yeah. I want these socks. That, that sport coat. I didn't see. I want to see that. The hoodie. It's this hoodie. Oh. It's so nice, dude. It is so nice. They even have like swim clothes. They're. It's bomb. Do they have man. a bathing suit. Didn't I just say I need a bathing suit? Yeah, absolutely. They got one. And they got socks. By the way, the socks. I think they have the grip socks too. Am I crazy? Mm-hmm. Oh, they do. They have the nice socks. Yep, absolutely, hundred percent. This is what I'm talking about. Dude. And oh, go ahead. Oh, nothing. I was just gonna say, um, you know, part of this whole thing. Obviously, you know, they're giving us some stuff, but we um, got a deal like twenty percent off first order if you go to MacWeldon.com/starburns. Enter the code Starburns. It's twenty percent off. I'm gonna tell you this. This stuff is quality stuff. You're not getting you're not getting cheap stuff here. Wait, after I use my free stuff that I get, yep. I can just put in Starburns myself yep. and get more discounts. 
more discounts and it's worth it. Oh, buy one pair. If you hate it and you don't like it, I will I will buy them from you. They will let you take it they all back. They take it back. They'll take it back. No, no, they'll they let you back. keep it. They actually, oh, yeah. If you don't right. like it, they will let you keep it because, you know, it's underwear or it's shorts or it's socks. We're not taking it back, but right. we don't want your money. Right. They'll, they'll take- if you don't like it, take your money, go away and, mm-hmm. and keep our keep our product yeah. because you'll be back. It's quality shit, man. I, I won't say it's cheap because it's not. It's perfect. It's not cheap. It, no. You get a you get a pair of these socks, they're gonna last you a long time. You put a pair of these underwear on, you'll never my whole house is now Mac Weldon underwear. We just throw out everything that's not, you know. But this is what I'm talking about, which is, you know, you buy these purchases, whether it's Mac Weldon, but in this case, Mac Weldon, and you know, five years from now, you have a good piece. So you're spending a little extra, but it's not going out of style. It's classic. No. It's amazing fabric. I can't believe they, I didn't know that, that they, they developed their own fabric. They developed their own fabric. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. all right. So we're going to check. I mean, by the way, I'm going to wear everything on here and show you because I can't wait to get this stuff. Right um, all right. So Mac, Mac Weldon, use Starburns. MacWeldon.com slash Starburns. Use the code Starburns. Okay. I'm doing that, by the way. Right, as soon cool. as I use my free stuff, I'm going to use Starburns. Right and I don't care. I don't even feel bad. I'm getting a discount. All right. Speaking of stuff that you would want to be buried in, let's talk spray. Oh, okay. We're not talking the mushroom suit. <laughs> that later. Spree was awesome. I loved Spree. I thought it was such a good movie that I could overlook the slight discrepancy in like the live stream and the and the angles mm-hmm. and you know the setup of was Bobby involved in knowing that he was going to go out on the spree kill and mm-hmm. also I felt like there was this thing where there was a spree kill record already that he was trying to beat. Right. Did you there get were that? a couple things like that. Yeah, I, I there was the six kill spree, the six spree kill record right. that was there. Bobby was seemed to be partially aware of whatever this was. Yeah, like it was normal fare to be going and doing a spree kill, you yeah. know, while in a ride share. Yeah, my my just dad just eighteen hour jersey boxer brief. You'll love them, oh, and you could, it, and but oh, just don't wear them. You yes. can wear them thirty six hours, Dad. I won't tell anybody. I won't tell anybody. <laughs> Um, Well, this is also what I wanted to say. I'm going to jump back to Mac Weldon for one second. That before Mac Weldon, I was a commando guy. Oh, yeah. But no more. No more. But I just didn't realize that there's all this other stuff. That's where you got me. Incredible. You will love it. We're not doing the advertisement anymore, guys. We're really just talking. This is what we talk about on the phone, too, by the way. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, but and there was another weird part. I thought they got too into like every like was a little bit too obsessed with the idea of like followers for everybody. Like everybody was talking about like yeah, how follow many followers, follow. which felt like a little bit disingenuous. I know, kind of made for uh, for the um, you know to the for the story, but I didn't buy that everybody was just talking about follow for follow for follow for follow for follow. Um, mm-hmm. But you get rid of past that part and you really look at this thing, and it was like it was like Heather's meets like. Some darker um, and uh, I felt like it was Heather's meets Crank meets yeah. something else. Yeah, it was and, so good and and you it's know, original. It felt very original. It felt you know the you know the the, the wait how good is this kid? This kid is Stranger Things, right? Oh yeah, that's a kid from Stranger Things. Who who was he in Stranger Things? Because I got to tell you, this is uh, I don't even like remember him from Stranger Things when I watched this movie. He's like the older. He was not. He's not the older brother. He was the girl. He was the boyfriend of the girlfriend before she left him for the the nerdy guy. Oh, he was the good-looking guy, Steve. The, with the guy, hair. Yeah. yeah, Steve. See how good he is. Yeah. Ah, uh, that this kid is yeah. really good. I thought everybody. So Arquette was great. I mean, listen, I'm biased, but Davy. I've seen Davy. Davy was great. I thought he was great as the dad. I thought his douchebaggery, hats and wardrobe choices, like everything, being the DJ at the strip club. I mean, it could not be more authentic. I, I, I was. And by the way, with the things we said that were kind of. I would say on almost any other film, a disconnect. In this mm-hmm. film, I did not care. No, I, I those things I saw, but like there, were, I have some questions mm-hmm. like outside of the film, like how it's going to be received by kids. Mm-hmm. Um, which are reasons I have those questions because I thought those things disconnected it from my daughter. I thought it was so good, and like, um, dude, when there, there's a scene where there's a there's a girl who's passed out in the car and they're uh, at the at the taco truck, shocked the right. shit out of me. I did not see that coming for a second. Oh, yeah, that she was going to drink. The, yeah, I had no well, I idea. Said, well, the drink part, but just after that, I, I won't boil the, the shock, but like when the police right. are giving the sobriety test and then the next thing you know, things really. That was crazy. It was crazy. 
That was when uh, she wakes up. I mean, and I yeah. think we saw something like that in an ex, uh, that Netflix movie. We talked about it, but, you know, the, the Swedish people, you know, I can't remember what it is now. But he wakes up and he shoots the dog. You know, let's put it this way. Don't go to sleep holding a gun. <laughs> you know, if you wake up startled, someone might die. Yeah, it was really good. Um, I thought it was yep. interesting that there's a couple SNL alums in there. Um, oh, yeah. Who are the SNL alums? Uh, uh, the, the, the main character, uh, it's just she... Uh, Let's see. I just want to make sure I say her name right. Harris, Lizzie Harris, or uh, Amy Harris. What was her name? The comedian. Yeah, the comedian. The mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, Jesse Adams. Jesse Adams. She's a, oh, SNL. Okay, and who else? And then uh, Kyle Mooney, who was her boyfriend or slash the manager. Right. He's also an right. SNL. That's where I recognized him from. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah, he's great. They did a good he's job. He's Frankie creepy. Grande, uh, 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 Ariana Grande's brother was in it. Frankie Wait, Grande, who? Frankie Grande was in it. He was who? the guy in the back of the uh, the limo. That was him, the guy with the makeup. Yeah, that was Frankie Grande. That's uh, yeah. That's Ariana's brother. Yep. In real life. In real life. Wow. Yeah, he was good. He was good. They were great. He was good. He was very natural. He yeah. was very natural. And, and, you know, again, it was a little crazy. It's like it said a little something about, I don't know about you, think it's like even when the sunroof's being closed in on their bodies, they were like, oh, that's tight until it started to get real. But at first, it wasn't like a big deal. Right. I was like, oh, we're just doing this. Let's get the likes or something. And maybe, you know, listen, I, I loved it. I, I, I really, really. I pick it I, apart. I'll be amazed. I'll admit, like, after I watched it, I had to watch something else because it gave me that icky uncomfortable feeling that oh, i did the same thing that uh but it was but that's a good thing like it it affected me it affected me like just thinking about it just thinking about him just the way it ends and the way it kind of culminates into this thing at the end um is disturbing but like disturbing partially because it's real in a way like did you, you know about the mom her. what no did you know i was not prepared for that at all Were you, did you think that that was what was going yes. on the second i saw it in the beginning i knew that's what was going on because if that's how a lot of sprees start mm, got it you know at home got it so you know i, I had the feeling especially because he hung the thing on the rear view but mm. again the fact that i remember all these small details about the movie is what makes them and by the way another side that they're not even using to promote the movie is did you realize that drake produced it also i had no idea no yeah yeah or he beat it or something that's incredible. Go figure. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I mean, I really, the, you know, the thing that, that I would want to talk about with this, and we might have to wait to do Ted Lasso till tomorrow, but okay, is uh, the one thing I wonder is, I almost wonder if putting it in the form of doing all like the videos was the right way to do it, or if it would have been better executed on like set for a small screen, like built and designed to be played on a phone as opposed to be played oh. on a TV, because. Because the, I, I liked what they did, and there were a couple scenes that they used it really well. That scene where um, he's coming to uh, going to Bobby's house, but you think he's going to her house, and they knock right. on the door, and you can see all three of the scenes. I really like that. I don't know how it played for my daughter because I think she felt like it was kitschy, not necessarily making thinking of it as a choice. So I wonder if leaning in that hard to that kind of design aesthetic works for the, or if it matters. And it wasn't really built for them. Maybe it was built for a slightly older audience. Well, no, I mean, I, I think you, you bring up something interesting because you have to make a choice as a director, which, again, I think he did a great job. I, I do, mean, too. This guy is obviously a director to be reckoned with. And uh, what's his name? Do you know? Oh, it's, it's Russian. Can you look Mark. it up? Yeah, it's uh, Eugene Kotlyarenko. K-O-T-L-Y-A-R-E-N-K-O. I'll, but I'll look put- at it like Hardcore Henry, too. It's like these movies, they're frenetic, they're fast, they're in your face, and yeah. they end. Um, and maybe it's a Russian thing. I don't know. But what I will tell you is um, <laughs> I think he had to find a balance. And the balance is like Silence of the Lambs is the, like that that whole we're knocking on the wrong door. Do you remember that? With Jerry oh, yeah, Foster absolutely. and they're getting there, they're getting there. You think they're going to Buffalo Bill and they knock on the door and they're like, sorry to bother you, sir. And it's not Buffalo Bill. Right. That's where you kind of first saw that trope. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're going to use movie or cinema tropes, mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe don't use the cinema tropes and only stay with the. But I feel like you're trying to capture our audience yeah. and also capture the kid audience with the different angles of streaming. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. So where's yeah, the balance? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and I'll say this, and this is the highest compliment I give. I've been complaining, the, the, the you know, and saying like the 70s, the grindhouse stuff, this dark. What happened to that kind of... This is the closest thing to a 70s Grindhouse movie 
I've seen in a long time. Like it's a modern day grindhouse. Like this is closer to uh, Texas Chainsaw Horror than any of the remakes, in my opinion, because it's just it happens. There's not a reason he's not justified. You know, there is a justification a little bit, and you know, there's themes to it. But he goes and he executes this plan, and it happens, and yes. you deal with it. And that's right. what a lot of those '70s movies did. It happened, and you deal with it. By the way, that's a very high compliment. Yeah, I, I say we can just and and the last thing I'll say about it is you know uh, thanks to our, all our uh, stuck at homies because we, uh, you know I'm just going to take the credit for it. We made it a top movie by Saturday morning. Yes, which yeah. is for that. No, no, we take credit for that. Yeah. So we're done, right? We're done. We're done. We're done. Tomorrow, yeah, so I re- tomorrow I'm gonna, we're going to brighten your day, guys. If you haven't watched Ted Lasso on Apple Plus. If you need a login to go see watch Ted Lasso on Apple Plus, if you're ever, um, if you just had a, a sad day and you need to cheer up, go watch and you, you need to watch Ted Lasso on Apple Plus. But Ted all I'm saying Lasso. is, watch Ted Lasso. We'll watch the first episode, and if you can only watch one episode, good for you. But if you are like and watched all the episodes twice and started them on for a third round, um, yeah. I, we want to talk about it tomorrow. Ted Lasso, the the goodness. The wholesome goodness, and yet slight darkness. It's like dark. Fantastic film. Okay, so until our next episode, stay safe, stay sane, stay strong. Jason Smith. Cliff Dorfman, love you, everybody. Thank you very much. Love you. Oops. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>